to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. When the woman does what she is called to do, and when the man does what he is called to do, marriage is a blast. It's a blessing. You see, if I concentrate on my part and my wife concentrates on her part, it makes for a beautiful marital experience. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis, chapter 2, in a message titled, The Order of Creation. Now, here's Pastor Brian. You remember the apostles were commissioned to go preach. The the civil authority said, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. We are not allowing you to do that. They went out and continued to do it. And then when they were arrested, you remember the authority said, hey, we told you not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And they said, look, well, you decide. Should we obey God or you? We've got to obey God in this matter. And, And so the same thing is true In this context, if it is a violation of Scripture or a a genuine violation of the conscience. Now, I say a genuine violation of the conscience because, of course, you know, we can't come up with frivolous little things. Well, you know, it's just against my conviction to make you dinner because I just, you know, that would violate my convictions (laughs) that I don't want to do anything nice for you. (laughs) You can violate those convictions. It's all right. But we're talking about truly moral types of things. Now, as we look at the passage, again, notice that Paul says that wives are to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. And and ladies, you know what that means? That means that in some cases, you're going to have to look beyond your husband to the Lord. You're going to have to simply say, Lord, I'm going to do this for you. I can't do it for him, but I'm going to do it for you. Because you called me to do it. Because it will please you. Because this is your will. Lord, I am going to do it. That's what it means to be submissive to your husband as unto the Lord. And sometimes even you know, taking it out of the context of of the marital thing, you know, there are some times that God calls us to do things that are difficult, things that are unpleasant, things that are uncomfortable, but we know he's calling us to do it, and so we just sort of have to look past the circumstances, and we just say, Lord, I'm doing this as unto you. I'm doing this because you have asked me to do it, and that's the basis of my of my commitment to it. So in the relationship, sometimes that is the case. Now, Paul says, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church. So the husband is the head of the wife. Now, again, as we go back to Genesis, we remember that man was made first. And see, this, this is why it's so important to study Genesis. 
It's so important because it takes us back to the very beginning. It takes us back to the foundational things. It takes us back to the origin of all these things. It takes us back to what God originally intended. And man was made first, and then the woman came from the man, and she was made for the man. So this idea of of male headship over the woman. Now, some argue and say, well, you know, man's leadership over the woman came as a result of the fall. And since we've been redeemed from the effects of the fall through our faith in Jesus Christ, we no longer in that position of having to be under the authority of the man. That's a feminist argument a theological argument from the feminist perspective. They say that the idea of of male headship is it's just part of the curse, and we're out from under the curse because we're saved. But no, go back before the curse. We haven't gotten to the curse yet. And the woman was made from the man and for the man. Man and woman together, collectively, are always referred to as man. They are never referred to as woman. Speaking of that, um, somebody told me a couple days ago that they were, I can't remember who it was or what the context was, but they were watching somebody or, or they spoke to a pastor or something who, who was interviewed and they asked something about God. The, the interviewer asked something about God and the response was, oh, you know, she's doing, you know, this is what she's doing. Talk, talking about God. So, you know, there, there's mass confusion over this issue in the culture today. Men and women together collectively are referred to as man. Now, there's something very dysfunctional when a woman tries to lead the relationship. It doesn't work simply because it's not the way it's supposed to be done. Now, in my years and my experience, I have seen a number of relationships where it's clear that the woman is trying to lead the relationship. I've seen this too many times in ministry. I've seen sometimes in ministry where everybody knows secretly the woman is actually the pastor of the church. You know, the man poses as the pastor, but everything he does is at the instigation of his wife. And I have never yet seen a healthy situation where that is the case. God, again, this is a God thing. Now, sometimes a woman will argue and say, but you know, I'm more spiritual than my husband. I should lead this relationship. Sometimes a woman will argue and say, well, you know, I've known the Lord twice as long as he has known the Lord. I know the Bible so much better. I have such a closer relationship with the Lord. But none of those are a justifiable basis for the woman to lead the relationship because the order that God has set up is that the man is to lead. Now, when Cheryl and I met, she was 19 years old and basically had been a Christian for 19 years, born into a Christian home. You know, to this day, if you ask her, well, when did you get saved? She doesn't really know. 
in that, you know, she just grew up in the Lord. When we first met, I was just a couple of years old in the Lord. And she definitely knew much of the Bible better than I did. But, you know, it was very clear, even though that was the case, it was very clear that God was calling me to lead in the relationship. And I know in some instances, it wasn't all that easy for her to submit to that. But I can say that she did, and she has, and still does. And that's just the way God set it up. So all of the different attempts that we might you know, put forth to sort of avoid or get around this command, it doesn't work. This is the way it is to be done. And here's the beautiful thing. When the woman does what she is called to do, and when the man does what he is called to do, Marriage is a blast. It's a blessing. It's the beautiful thing that God intended it to be. But what we so often do, we so often are focusing on what our partner is supposed to be doing rather than on what we are supposed to be doing. And because we're focusing on what our partner is supposed to be doing, neither one of us are doing what we are supposed to be doing, and the marriage is difficult. You see, if, if I concentrate on my part and my wife concentrates on her part, it makes for a beautiful marital experience. Now, of course... You know, we started in talking about the woman and we're talking about submission. And I know that you ladies, this has been awfully difficult for you to endure this. But don't worry. This is the only teaching that we're going to have that addresses the women. We're going we're gonna to beat up on the guys for a few weeks. <laughs> so next week you can just sit and gloat. No, but seriously. You see, again, submission is in the context of something else. It's not just, you know, simply submit, and that's all there is to it. There is clear instruction for the man, and when the man is doing what God has called the man to do, this makes submission something that that actually, for the most part, comes quite Easily. Now, in closing, let me give a fuller picture of what a godly wife is to aspire to be like. And, and notice, ladies, I'm, I said aspire to be like. Nobody is demanding perfection. And, you know, we're all living in the real world, and we all know that we're, we're all in a process. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing how sometimes the oddest things about your life will be an encouragement to people. Now, Cheryl and I, 
we have had historically a very exciting marriage. Verbally, sometimes it's very exciting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't, we don't do this so much anymore. We both learned a lot over the years. But, you know, we could go at it with each other quite a bit. And, you know, we're both stubborn. And I, I'm, I, I'm the oldest in my family. She's the youngest in her family. And, you know, so there's a, there's a dynamic there that I think is at work. And, um, you know, so in our times of expressing ourselves to one another at rather loud volumes and things like that, you know, the crazy thing is we've had people come back to us and say, you know, your marriage is such a blessing to me. You know, I was so blessed when I saw you guys fighting. I was so blessed when I heard you in the next room arguing with each other. I was so blessed because it gave me hope for my marriage. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think we do anybody any favors by being fake. You know, by, by pretending like we've got it all together. By acting like, you know, we've never had a spat. We've never had a dispute. We've always been in perfect agreement. I have always loved my wife as Christ loved the church, and she has always submitted to me perfectly. You know, I would be lying to you if I said anything like that. The reality is we are all, through God's grace and his mercy, we are aspiring to be the people that he wants us to be, whether that's wives or husbands. But again, we're addressing the wives, so let's give a fuller picture of what a godly wife is to aspire to be like. Now, in Titus chapter 2, if you want to just Turn there with me real quickly. Paul lays out here, I think, a, a good picture of what a wife is to aspire to be. They are to be reverent, verse 3, reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. They are to love their husbands, love their children, be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Let's look at each one of those real quickly. Reverent in behavior. This refers to a life marked by a consciousness of God. The life is to be marked by the consciousness of God. I'm living in the presence of God. I'm conducting my life in the presence of God. I, I am aware of his presence, and I want to please him with my life. Reverent in behavior. Not slanderers. Not given to gossip. Gossip is something that is so easy to drift into. It's so easy to become slanderous. You know, I've known people over the years who, it's a funny way, you know, they'll, they'll greet you with this greeting. Hey, what's the gossip? They're just inviting gossip. We should not 
wives should not be given over to gossip in any way, not addicted to wine. Now, sometimes in their stress-filled lives, women will turn to some sort of sedative for relief. It was not uncommon in biblical times for women to become addicted to alcohol, and it's not an uncommon thing today. With the pressures that many are under today, sometimes sometimes ladies can't bear up under that pressure. Sometimes they, they start sneaking away to the bottle, or sometimes they start sneaking away to the medicine chest and reaching for that volume or something like that. These are real things. Paul says that the wives are not to be addicted to those kinds of things. If by chance there's anyone that that behavior has developed in, you need to get help with that. You need to get that sorted out. Teachers of good things. They are to love their husbands. They are to love their children. So that this is that, that bigger picture. He says that they are to be discreet, which means self-controlled, circumspect, and careful, not governed by impulse. Being governed by impulse, a very dangerous thing. A very dangerous thing in, in our world in many ways. How many people find themselves in deep financial trouble because they are governed by impulse? They don't think through their next purchase. They are just stacking up one charge after another on the credit card, and finally, it's just so beyond their ability to deal with. This would be contrary to being discreet. And then he says that they are to be chaste. They are to be pure and modest. Now, modesty is one of those things, you know, that, um, I mean, to some extent, it, it is relative from culture to culture. But, but I think the idea is fairly obvious that a woman is to keep herself covered up in those personal areas. Now, again, of course, we live in a culture where that doesn't seem to be the concern of too many. But this is where we have to not allow the world's influence to infiltrate and dominate the church. And women are to take care of themselves, to be pure and modest. And then he says, homemakers, which would literally be translated guardians of the home. So a married woman's life should center round her home. Now, of course, some women have to work, especially those who are single parents. Some women choose to work. They don't necessarily have to, but they've chosen to do so. And I, I don't know that the Bible prohibits that. But the point is, those who choose to work must not lose the priority of the home because the woman is to be the guardian of the home. And then Paul says they are to be good. 
They are to be good Christians, good wives, good mothers. And then last of all, my favorite, obedient. Uh, we won't go into that because, of, of course, it's a synonym for submissive. I remember when Cheryl and I were standing on this platform saying our vows to one another. And I remember Chuck, as he was, you know, saying the vows that Cheryl was to repeat, with a twinkle in his eye, he threw in the word obey. And there was a moment of silence there. <laughs> she was quick to respond to all of the other things, but there was a pause. She's been very obedient. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Words of wisdom. Being a wife and a mother, listen, ladies, being a wife and a mother is not some second-rate task for women who can't make it at something else. Marriage and motherhood are a sacred trust to be guarded, cherished, and treasured with all one's heart. A woman who's called to be a wife and a mother, and I specifically say called because not every woman is called to that. Of course, generally speaking, most are. But just as with men, we do have those occasions where there's a different calling. Paul recognizes that and addresses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. A woman who's called to be a wife and a mother ought to go about it with all the zeal and fervency of God's most passionate servants. You know, I thank God so much for a faithful wife and not just a faithful wife to me, but I think of that great investment that my wife made in our four children. And to look at our children today and to see them walking with the Lord and to see them serving the Lord. And so much of it, I attribute to the influence of their mother, who from their youngest days sat with them and read them the Bible stories and prayed with them and sang to them and taught them. This isn't anything to be ashamed of. This is, this is a great, great calling. We'll close with this. A good reminder. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. A woman who fears the Lord. That's, that's what it all comes down to. A woman who fears the Lord. She shall be praised. 
For the month of September, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson. Have you ever wondered why God created things? Why did God create rainbows? Why did God create rain? Why did God create different animals or vegetation? Why did God create anything at all? Well, in his book, Andrew Wilson explains that God had a very specific purpose for creation, and God uses it even to this day to display His wisdom and to teach us that wisdom as well. Gleaning the insights that can be found in ordinary things, Andrew Wilson takes from both the Old and New Testaments to show how the ordinary things of God can reveal the extraordinary God of all things. The book, God of All Things, Rediscovering the Sacred in an Everyday World by Andrew Wilson is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.